0: You might have noticed that our buildings are getting smarter. In our homes we now have digital assistants and apps that can turn off all the lights when we go out or turn on the air conditioner before we get home on a hot day. In large commercial buildings similar changes are afoot and as you can imagine there is a lot more to keep track of. The good news is that as appliances, sensors and other devices all become part of the Internet of Things we are gaining access to a huge amount of data that we can use to make our buildings more efficient and effective. The not so good news is that the data isn't much use until we organize it. That's where data ontologies come in. These systems provide a relational structure so the data can be used by software packages or service providers. Right now, there are many ontologies available. You'll hear names like Brick, Project Haystack, VBiz, Google's Digital Building Ontology, or DBO, and Microsoft's Real Estate Core, or REC. With all of these options available, it can be hard for building owners, facilities managers, and consultants to know where to turn. I'm Mark Vender, your host for this episode of Era On Air, and today we're talking to four experts from Era's Big Data Special Technical Group about the future of data ontologies. If you like what you hear, why not check out our Big Data and Analytics Forum event coming up soon. You can also find out more about Era's Big Data Special Technical Group, and there is a previous episode of the Era On Air podcast, which looks at big data. You'll find links to all of these in the show notes below. But without any further ado, let's meet our guests and dive into the world of data ontologies.
1: Uh, I'm Tristan Weber. I am currently splitting my time between Trunk Innovation Labs and Delta Q Consulting Services.
2: My name is uh, Nicholas Lianos. I work for Gravenate Engineering Group and uh, I'm
3: one of the founders and the CEO.
4: I'm Silvia Quaglia. I work for Norman, Disney & Young as a consultant for the smart building and or in general digital building.
3: My name is uh, Daniel Paragas. I'm a senior technology consultant for JLL Technologies. I'll start with Tristan with the first
0: question. As a bit of a recap, ontology is is a funny word because I think people hear it and it just sounds a little bit like uh, technical or something that might be a bit hard to understand. What what would be your um, short soundbite um, description of what an data ontology is? And I guess also, why is it a big deal?
1: Yeah, that's right. A data ontology is is a lovely buzzword, first and foremost, and I think people do grasp onto that a little bit, but it is intended to be a way of structuring data into a class hierarchy. So really identifying where something belongs in, in the world of data. What is it? What is it related to? I would say that that is probably the fundamentals of, of what it is.
0: Nicholas, what is, does that sound about right to you? Uh, yeah, definitely.
2: Um, people use the, often they use the phrase naming convention, but it's really about phrasing conventions for whether we're looking at assets or components or systems, but also naming conventions for the relationships between the elements of a system and other systems. So it really is defining the way we describe operational technology in buildings. And there's a whole genre of different um, on, uh, you know, asset ontologies, but they've all come from different starting points. Um, so there's a whole different ones. And I know your question did say, you know, what are, what are they? And I was going to say, you know, there's Haystack, Brick, VBIS, Archibus, UniClass, OAP, Google, Microsoft record. You know, so there's a lot of different ones. They're all trying to do similar things, but they've come from different starting points. And it's really important to understand that when you're trying to decide which one maybe you should be adopting. So that's
0: my perspective on it. Sylvia, is, that, is all of that, do you think that's covered what an ontology is or do you think there's other things we need to be aware of?
4: I was trying yesterday to explain to my partner what it is and uh, I think uh, my partner understood. I am Sylvia, but, you know, there are thousands of other Sylvia. Uh, I'm a, a human, so maybe there is an animal called also Sylvia and, uh, you know, the relationship is that I work for NDY. So that defined me much better than just the name Sylvia. So that's, it's kind of where the ontology comes from. When you have a large amount of data, so for example, a large amount of Sylvia, you need to understand much better where the data comes from, how it's correlated to the space, and uh, like, because otherwise it's just a value. It's just, a, I don't know, a 30. What is 30? It's a, like, it's a temperature. Yes, so it has that unit, but it's also a temperature for the HU, ah So yes, so it defines much better um, like uh, every data, what are cor- the correlation between the data, so it helped to build that data model, and they help it for uh, whatever, um, like you know, um, machine learning you have to do behind. So uh, it's a structure, it's a way to structure your data.
0: Excellent, that's a great example of what you said, and I think that's one of the challenges. Say so trying to explain to someone who maybe isn't in the industry what <laughs> what is an ontology. Dan, anything you'd like to add to that?
3: So so uh yeah, I think all the definitions uh they're they're spot on. I, I think we're sometimes posed with the challenge of, of boiling it down. And if I can boil it down, uh it's actually not me who describe it this way, but uh the World Wide Web uh Consortium. They they actually put it very clear when they uh say they say that there's no distinction between ontologies and vocabularies. Uh and a vocabulary being a, a, a used to define concepts and relationships used to uh represent or describe a a field of study, right, or a topic or a subject uh, in our case, uh, I was saying it's commercial real estate and and uh, steered towards HVAC, but they could be ontologies for agriculture uh, contracts etc right so I think it's important to to mention that uh, if you think about the the ontology as the vocabulary, it's not to be confused with the mechanisms to encode the the data or to transmit the data right uh, which is uh, typically an area of confusion.
0: The other question I had was, yeah, well, why are they such a big deal? I mean, it sounds like we're trying to organise information here and find ways of organising information. But uh, maybe if you can just tell me quickly, why is that so important in this day and age? Um, Tristan?
1: So one of the reasons they're so important in the context that we're speaking about is machine readability. What we're trying to do is take these huge swages of data and really get meaning out of them at scale, and we need an application that is able to distinguish uh, point A from point B and do so in a scalable way without a user having to say, oh, this one is uh, not actually related to the query that you're looking at. We need the machine readability there. Um, So we need that data to be structured in a way that humans can understand it, but also machines can understand it. And machines uh, lack the nuance that a human does. So if I, for example, saw Nicholas's name spelled incorrectly, I would still know that it's Nicholas Lianos. But um, the the computer may not be able to figure that out so well.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Nicholas, anything you'd like to add to that about why these other ontology, ontologies are so important?
2: No, Tristan said it well, but I guess one thing I will do is I'll use Sylvia's example when Sylvia said... I'm getting a piece of data called 30, three zero, right? But what does it relate to? And, you know, is it Sylvia's age? Is it Sylvia's temperature? Like, because we're trying to figure out if you're sick or not, right? Or is it Sylvia's number of pets in the house? Uh, you know, we don't know. So I think having a, a framework of labelling that's standardised so everyone understands what that 30 stands for, then goes to Tristan's point, which is obviously we can ingest that 30 and run it through an algorithm perhaps that will give us some useful information about whether Sylvia is getting sick or not. <laughs> um, I'm just playing on that same analogy. But it's all about contextualising the data that we- that's coming in. And if all that's, if all those naming conventions are standardised, you don't have to manually do that. You can just get the data's coming in. You'll I- instantly know what it is and what it stands for, which means you can use it straight away to generate actionable insights that can help maybe create, a you know, make things better for everyone.
0: Yeah. Um, Sylvia, anything you'd like to add to that about why data ontologies are so important?
4: Uh, it's important when you start to have a big amount of data, because uh, uh, obviously the idea is that uh, like a company that has a big portfolio, then would like to understand how the different buildings are performing, you know, and how you can compare. Okay, you want to compare Apple with another Apple, not Apple with a banana. So i um, like, you need to standardise all these things from like in background so you need to have a certain way to see okay let's see all the zone temperature that have the same property like are they acting all the same or the chiller what is the efficiency of each and uh, why this chiller is less efficient than the other because maybe it's working in a different way but you cannot really know all these things if you don't have a a snapshot of your building like if you don't build uh, like a a kind of a 3d version uh, of your environment with the you know the relationship between all the equipment right because just have a, a a photo it doesn't let you understand you need to see the entire picture during the time and how the building is actually reacting building are an, an alive things it's not they're not static <laughs> so you need to see these things when you're changing uh, temps, like uh, you're changing the points or other things how the building is reacting you know so i, I for doing this kind of uh, um Process and algorithm, you have to standardize it. Otherwise, it's impossible to to achieve that. Because before, back in the day, you know, like what company was doing is just to naming uh, like the points with the name that was meaningful. But that's it's impossible to standardize. You know, like every company named the points in a different way. Everyone has a, a shortcut or to say temperature, they say temp or just T or delta T. You know, like it, it's not it. You cannot uh, standardize these things. You need to have uh, something. Uh, beyond that that created the standardization and the structure
0: excellent that makes a lot of sense definitely Dan anything you'd like to say there?
3: um I think it's pretty well covered what I can say is that one of the reasons ontologies became very important in the recent years is that the same way learning a, a new language uh breaks down barriers just for example like the the world has adopted english right as the uh, a global uh, language that we all use to communicate right um so i think you can you can think of uh, ontologies in the same way to break down barriers uh, not only for machines like tristan said to to interpret and and uh, consume data but for humans right uh, uh, either engineers in the same profession that now can have access to normalized data that they didn't have bef- before to either do performance analysis or simulations right uh now they have access and they don't have to sort through either if it's coming from backnet or some Mudbus obscure register and obscure data type uh but also to enable people from other fields uh to innovate right which is it, it's one of the uh keys for innovation right apply uh concepts or technologies from other disciplines or other technologies into hours. Into uh, I, I think that's, that's what, why suddenly everybody uh, took a notice of ontologies, naming conventions, et, et cetera, right? Normalization and indexing. I, w- I would say the key word here is indexing. Um, the same way as Twitter tried to index conversations, uh, you cannot apply the same concept because otherwise we're gonna have different hashtags for everything, which is what happens in Twitter. But if you adopt a, an ontology, you can suddenly index information, right? And, and expand that data model.
0: Fantastic. Some great analogies there. I think it makes it really clear. Um, one of the points that Nicholas already alluded to is that um, there are a number of different ontologies out there. Um, so I guess, you know, we're talking about standardisation of data and being able to interpret it across the board. Um, you know, what happens when we've got different systems or different ontologies? I guess, um, you know, the question there is how do how do building owners choose the right one? And what role do people like yourselves play in helping them to do that? Um, Tristan, if I could go to you.
1: I think one of the key things there is understanding the purpose of uh, the application from the start. So why are you interested in modeling data in the first place? Is it to enable a single analytics vendor to operate over a single building? Is it to enable several uh, several analytics vendors to operate over an entire portfolio. So I think a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the conversations about what is appropriate comes down to what the reason for modeling data is in the first place. And I think there's a lot that um, consumers can do there with procurement choices. Uh, once those choices are, once those purposes are really well defined. Um, it gives people the ability to decide what's right for them and then an ability to go to the market to ask for what they really need for their specific use case.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Tristan. Uh, Nicholas, what's your perspective? Sorry, Tristan, but it's exactly the same as you. I mean,
2: you know, you've got to know what the end use case is. You know, what are you trying to achieve? And I'm just repeating what Tristan said. And once you understand that, then you go, okay, this is the ontology for me, which implies that you need to understand why the ontology was created in the first place. I mean, we touched on earlier, like Haystack, it's about naming conventions, but also very relational down to point level. You know, if you look at, say, um, Brick, very relational. If you look at VBIS, very asset based. Now, UniClass, very much a construction asset sort of perspective. When you understand this is why they were created to serve those purposes, Then you go, well, what's my purpose? Oh, okay, it's this, so therefore maybe I should adopt this particular ontology. Um, Having said that, none of the ontologies cover the entire spectrum of of context that we need from machine data. So that's – and I'm probably broaching into future questions, but that's one of the challenges. Um, uh, Look, I know Daniel and Sylvia are very passionate about this stuff as well, so maybe I should hand over to them for better definitions,
0: better explanations. Dan, just on that question of yeah, so I mean, how how do people choose? uh, What role do do people like yourselves play? And and I guess my bonus question was, well, do you come to these situations with uh, sort of a a better knowledge of one ontology than another? How how does that dynamic work?
3: Yeah, well, certainly we can we can see that within the the uh, popular ontologies, uh, there are some uh, there are ones that are being uh, adopted widely. Uh, and there are some other ones that are used by uh, just segments of the industry, right? Uh, I think the first customer or something I will tell uh, I could I could suggest to my customers or even to solution providers is um, just commit to one, just just commit, like start using it, start normalizing, uh, start indexing, because the translation step comes after, and that's going to be way easier to translate from one ontology to the to the next, right? I was talking with Nicholas about this. Um, but there's an important case that i I touched on earlier um you can have an ontology and you can pick uh, an ontology of your that solves your business case but i think uh talking to the business case the platform that you're choosing that's leveraging that ontology needs to uh sorry about the redundancy it needs to leverage the ontology um so it's not good if you have all your data normalized uh using the brick uh uh, schema if you don't have a a feature or a platform that allows you to query such model right uh so if i have a, a a haystack a beautifully tagged haystack portfolio but my dashboards are not leveraging that model but rather going directly to the database then then you just waste a lot of resources in that effort so so one thing is the ontology but make sure that the technology you're using it actually leverages the 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 ontology and not just tagging for the sake of tagging right to 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 give a tick to the to the guidelines or specifications so uh, another thing um, i'm keen to see in the industry is whether the platforms uh, allow for integration of other ontologies like imagine you have a building uh, in a train station and then your business case starts actually uh, uh, drifting into uh, the topic of trains or infrastructure so now brick is going to fall short right um, or now Haystack is going to fall short. But that doesn't matter because uh, we were talking about the World Wide Web Consortium. Uh, there's a lot of people uh, uh, maintaining and creating ontologies for all types of topics and, and subjects. So as long as the platform and the solution that you pick leverages those, then, then you're all good. And this is something I'm going to uh, keep, keep um, watching closely.
0: Great. All right. Well, so we've talked a little bit about that there are different ontologies and how do you choose them? But we're also, I guess what you're saying is that we're having situations where there are different ontologies in place uh, in, say, the same portfolio or maybe, I don't know, in, I don't know if that happens in the same building. But um, what this must create is some interoper- interoperability uh, challenges. So... Um, I guess it'd be interesting to hear about, um, you know, what those challenges are and
1: how do you overcome them? Um, Tristan? So some of the interoperability challenges uh, that you identified, um, they are incredibly difficult to deal with because there aren't really any any, um, commercially available solutions to deal with it. They're not particularly common. Um, So Really, I think, again, this comes down to uh, making the right choice in the first place and making really conscious decisions about how data is, is modeled in the short term. I think in the longer term, uh, there will be data wrappers which translate between the ontologies. And I think it's going to become more and more necessary and more and more in demand as the market moves towards this concept of a data platform with applications sitting over the top. That said, there are some fundamental issues relating to that translation layer with things like Haystack, which isn't really an ontology, it's a semantic tagging model. And more formal ontologies like Brick, uh, real estate core, Google DBO, and these things have a much stronger class hierarchy than Haystack. And, and, and that, um, I guess, really means that the, the, the market probably needs to head in that direction of making choices around that formal class hierarchy because it makes that translation layer far more straightforward from a technical perspective.
0: Great, thanks, Tristan. Nicholas, what's your perspective on that? Um, Very similar to Tristan, and Tristan
2: gave a really elegantly technical um, explanation there. I think the bottom line is, if if a service provider has uh, an ontology that they're using to to organise their data, but the property portfolio that they are being asked to maintain has no ontology whatsoever. Well, guess what the challenge is? All the data extracted from the building is named in all different weird ways. And we have to manually then understand what it stands for. And that manual translation takes a lot of time and cost. Which means we can't implement really good analytics in the building because we have to spend all this time, which the customer obviously doesn't want it to cost a lot of money. So straight away, there's the there's the challenge and the money that it costs. You've got to do it manually. However, if the customer does have a standardized ontology, even if, if it's different to the service providers, if it's standard, then there's a hope that the, an automated translation engine could allow for the for the you know for the translation to happen very quickly, so you can start ingesting data both ways and then getting the benefits out of using that data by actionable insights and all the rest of it. So the challenge is really, is there there two ontologies that can talk to each other? And I think to Tristan's point, yes, there is no universal uh, translator at the moment, but there are organisations that are looking to invent them and are inventing them. And I think all of us on this panel are engaged in assessing the efficacy of those uh, translators because the quicker we can use them, Um, that means the easier it'll be because we just want to use the data in the building, you know, to to deliver better outcomes. Um, And we want our customers to get the benefit of that. And if that's going to be manually done, it's terrible. So so it's really up to service providers and consultants to work together, I think, to to make sure that, you know, we use automated um, ontology translators because let's face it, and I think Daniel and I had this discussion the other day, there's going to be a lot of different ontologies for all the different reasons we talked about earlier and we just need to have a translator expecting English to become the dominant sort of ontology maybe in 20 years or 30 years. I think eventually all the ontologies will end up being the same because they'll eventually cover each other's gaps, but it's going to take time and I think the translator is very much needed and that, that's the
0: biggest challenge as far as I'm concerned. Sylvia, so just wondering yeah, what, what your you know, perspective and maybe even experience is with that.
4: Well, at the moment, it's really a mess because uh, obviously uh, there are like a, a different type of ontology um, and some big company decided to make their own because uh, it was not probably suited their purpose. Um, but hopefully in the future, if you choose the uh, to model your building in one standard, whether it's brick, whether it's a high stack, real estate, or an et cetera, you will be able to easily convert that model in any other standard. So that's what I'm hoping for, because at the moment it's really difficult. Um, uh, this will obviously uh, reduce or eliminate completely uh, the choice, because at the end of the day, you are interested in the outcome, you're not interested in the ontology. So that it's 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 really silly to waste all this time and this effort in something that should be made very like it should be automated by computers it should not be done manually by someone but at the moment it's still like that and i feel it happens with also the protocol there was a lot of different protocol a lot of different uh, you know um, uh, providers and uh, uh manufacturer that they were developing their own and then at the end of the day, we finally get back, but it takes a lot of time. So we obviously are expecting the same outcome here. It just takes a little bit of time because we are actually at the beginning of this process. Um, so, yeah, so that's 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 what I'm uh, thinking. There are interesting projects like the ontology alignment project uh, by building IoT and uh, that should be able to do this process of like merging and uh, translating all of this ontology together. And so it it really doesn't matter what you're using. Uh, But at the moment, it's still very not autonomous. It's very manual.
0: Thanks, Sylvia. Yeah. And Daniel, I'll I'll ask for your perspective, but I'm going to slip in again a little bit of a bonus question. And that is I hear from, from Nicholas and Sylvia that, oh, you know, eventually we will get to this. This situation where the different ontologies can talk to each other or there's translation or so we'll get to one standard and i guess i wonder if is is, is that what happens you know we're in um, a commercial world right so i guess there are commercial interests here as well with different uh, developers of ontologies and software systems uh maybe uh, you know trying to um push forward their particular product or ontology or is that not the way it works
3: yeah yeah i think the adoption is it right now it's it's organic um, we we've touched on that, right? Like if you have a chiller optimization package, uh, that solution vendor might prefer brick because of the nature of the, uh, like Nicolas was saying how the ontology was born. But maybe you have a, uh, space optimization or space planning application, uh, that prefers the, uh, rec ontology, right? Because it's, it's cater It has different objects, right? Uh, like, like leases, tenants, et cetera. Uh, so, so i think the adoption is going to be organic uh, but what can also happen is that as this solution uh providers uh develop or, or deploy more and more projects they're going to have their own kit they're, go- they're going to develop their own translation kit so yes the first 10 5 projects are going to be a challenge but then after a while they're going to say yeah brick haystack rec, that's fine we've we, we have that piece right and they're gonna get they're gonna get better and better so I, I think you can go that way uh, however yeah it's gonna be a, a shame if in the future there's no uh, a level of consolidation right because you're gonna you have different uh different people running in different directions right and uh sorry and and I was gonna say uh because tristan tristan uh sparked something you you mentioned tristan the the, the model depth uh, and it, since we're talking about the, the industry challenges, I think what we haven't discussed too much is the the quality. Just just as we have uh, quality of the data, there should be quality of the metadata, right? Like, the, how how am I ensuring that I'm using the vocabulary of the official brick repository? Uh, and and how am I ensuring that the depth of my modeling or the way I use those relationships is correct? Right? One company might be um modeling mechanical switchboards what the other one is modeling a meter and the, and the next one is modeling a circuit right um so yeah that i, I think those at least two challenges we really need to think through and, and it's going to be to the solutions vendors to put it on the table and say this is our added value like we we provide these tools and we give you this certainty i
4: was just going to say uh to add to daniel that um um uh, there are some actually um uh, ontology like the the google one that they are providing a tool to verify that what you have done is correct but not a lot like it i just have seen google i didn't see anyone else that it's give you uh like a tool to say verify your work and say yeah this is na- this is correct this is not correct and also uh, it's still a bit clunky like you still have to be uh, like a programmer and uh, it's not really an easy tool and um what also in back in my mind is who is going to take in care of this uh, model or this data model when we, you, like, when you have implemented? Like when I'm changing something, is there a team that has to take care of this? I need to call like an MSI for doing it. Uh, I need to call someone who is specialized. So um, I feel that at, at the moment, as we already say, it's a still um, a too early day and the, it, everything is still need to make, like have a, a, a correct process because uh, otherwise it's too difficult to implement it. But somewhere you have to start, and I have a sentence in my desk that says "start small but start." So I guess uh, yeah.
0: Excellent, thanks, Sylvia and Nicholas. Uh, you wanted to add something to that? Yeah, just just a really basic
2: experience. I mean, you know, we tend to use brick and haystack um, in our organisation, but we've had to have educated guesses about how to extend, um, especially the haystack methodology, um, at point level because you know tags didn't exist. So we had to almost guess the theory behind the invention of the existing tags and try and apply that same logic to the tags that we were inventing. And then, you know, you use GitHub and you go back to Haystack and you publicise all this. But to Sylvia's point, you know, it would be good for the independent arbiter to say, yes, you've correctly interpreted the logic in creating these new tags because the reality is we're doing our best to do it properly and to stay true to the intentions of the ontology. But we are guessing to some extent. And, but, you know, it's early days, as Sylvia said, you know, it's the Tower of Babel and we're all trying to make sense of it all and we're slowly going to develop those standards and I
0: think the consultants in the room are the ones that are going to drive that. Fantastic. Thanks, Nicholas. Um, so yeah, I guess the, the question that um, came up next was about how building owners can can it, can you know fully adopt ontologies, especially where you know we're not talking about new builds necessarily. We're we're also talking about buildings that are there now and functioning with some level of of data. Um, what what are some sensible steps that building owners can take, Tristan?
1: I think what Sylvia said before, just start, is the most important thing there. Uh, really getting people on the journey uh, and identifying what you really want as a building owner from these things is quite important because uh, a, a vendor will usually operate from a commercial perspective and if a vendor has always been aligned with a certain ontology, they will always use a certain ontology unless an alternative is specified. So those procurement decisions are really important. Um, And the decisions that can be made by any stakeholder, I think consultants are in a really good position to get these things into specifications. Um, But there's some important things there which really open things up um, using a data platform, um, or at least having an API to the data itself. That means that people can look at it, from a different lens. You can have outside eyes looking at this thing and it's no longer just your vendor who's providing you chiller optimization services or analytics services or BI um, services that are actually looking at this thing. You can have other people involved to mark your homework. So opening these things up um, to external audiences and making it incredibly clear that your intent is to have transparent and reusable data models uh, will, I think, drive us in the right direction there. Um, we spoke earlier about validation tools. Um, they're very technical. The outputs are very technical. And they say, does this model apply to the validation requirements of uh, BRIC or DBO? Uh they're not really ready for consumption by uh, most users just yet. So I think there's some way to go in terms of the the, the validation there. And I think there's a piece there where the validation models probably need to be tied to the purpose of the data modeling in the first place. Like if I want an energy efficiency outcome um, by implementing a measurement and verification strategy on every single meter in my building, You want to know that every single one of those meters is modeled correctly, but you may not really care about certain other aspects of that system. Um, And if somebody gives you a report that tells you that you have 50 percent health on your uh, metadata model, that's probably meaningless uh, to a lot of the audience. So I think creating something that really resonates with the uh, the deliverable or the value proposition of that service is quite important there, too.
0: Thanks, Tristan. Yeah, um, Nicholas, what what are your thoughts? Maybe um, you know if you want to add on to that, but also the um, the point about um, you know what what steps can building owners take? Uh, uh,
2: yeah, I just want to reinforce again, as Sylvia said, just start and be consistent in the adoption. If you're going to say go with UniClass, be consistent in applying it in as intended. That's number one. Tristan's point is really deep, actually. You've you've sort of taken me, and I don't want to go down rabbit holes, but Yeah, I think, you know, when you have a service provider that's really deep into what they're doing and they have to go to a very granular level, which means the ontology that they're applying is very suited to that. But then you have a customer that doesn't need to get at that incredibly deep level and therefore has a more generic ontology that's higher up. But we still need to connect, right? So I think that gets back to the the translation engine that would make those two things meet because I think you are going to have service providers that go incredibly deep and incredibly detailed. And, you know, the, the customer's ontology framework isn't going to be suitable for what they're trying to do, although they will need some of that data that the customer has. So I'm simply trying to make the point, the translation engine has to be very flexible in being able to deal with these things. One's up here, the other one's down here. And I'm just saying I, I, I can't see how we're going to get away from that, that very different sort of approach in ontologies between customers and service providers, for example.
0: So both Tristan and Nicholas have said, you know, what are some steps building owners can take is just, and quoting you, Sylvia, saying just do it. <laughs> um, but I guess, uh, you know, which is great. And uh, so I'd like to hear what you have to say on that. And also whether it's just do it like you have to do it all at once or is it something that can be done over a period of time? How, how does that work exactly?
4: Well, there are two different type of client that I experience, um since I came here. Um, the client that already have, full idea of what they want and they are going with a certain type of ontology because they already have their plan and they already understood which type of ontology there are um, outside and uh, they might also participate forum and stuff like that and the client that has no clue and also has probably no portfolio vision because if you don't have a clue of that uh, you don't probably want to um, have a like a data lake or you don't want to play with data you don't want to get outcome for the data or you don't know how to do it so they just come to us and say hey I want a smart building and we're going to explain okay like it you know you need to like build uh, that uh, like a database with all your data data lake with the different uh, buildings and stuff like that and then they're just and you need obviously an yeah, ontology on top of that to um, then provide the outcome that you want to and then they just uh, completely lost, and they're like, get me whatever you want. Like, uh, I don't care. I don't care if you go for ice stack break, whatever, <laughs> whatever is the market going, which I'm like, it's not, I don't like their approach either. So I'm like, start for the sake of start. No, because it makes no sense. You need to still have that vision on the background. You need to still understand what you're gonna, where you wanna go with your portfolio and what you wanna uh, achieve with the, that amount of data. Okay. Um, so th- that's that's my vision. So the first step is actually from the building owner to understand where they want to go and if it's worth it or not the journey because it's a very difficult journey and at the moment it's also very uncertain. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my point of view as a consultant. Yes, we can Driven change, but if we don't see on the other hand someone that wants to change their approach and want to embrace. Uh, the new digital world and they are not ready to do it because that's the other things that most of the uh, clients are not ready for this uh, new approach um, it's very difficult to drive anything like you can just uh, like you can just go and follow the client that already has a, a good a pretty good idea of what they need.
0: Dan what what do you see as the steps for, for building owners to, to arrive at this you know fully adopted ontology?
3: I think uh, since the we can agree that some of the tools may not be there to have a uh, streamlined, call it a uh, uh, data model maintenance. The best thing right now that owners can do is uh, appoint a responsible, make it very clear that, you know, the HVAC contractor needs to maintain the HVAC portion of the data model. Whatever the tool is, if you need to learn the tool, so be it. The access control system. Uh, needs to maintain the access control portion of the of the data model and and they need to be responsible for it and i think it is a challenge because um, we cannot even maintain flat documents how many times we come to a building and the topology it's it's outdated right uh, so it's going to be a big challenge but it it needs to be stated some somewhere right um and the second the second if you're going to do it uh, the approach is different for greenfield and brownfield right if you're doing it for the first time um i think just an advice that i could say is that just think through and plan your approach right don't go out there filling up spreadsheets there's there's different tools there's just think it through bring your excel wizard you know bring your python uh guru uh, there's ways of doing it efficiently right like don't don't go out there and use brute force um uh so for example um there might be hidden databases or or within the bms data uh, within the bms or the ddc that you could actually extract and use those relationship in the in the ddc uh, we know we can do that on the on the bim model for example but that possibly applies more to 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 greenfield so i, I just something that comes to mind is a uh, uh, an ex-colleague of mine uh, andrew feeling um i remember him telling me is like the process of doing a a of modeling a building using the BIM framework should give you a data model as a byproduct. Like you shouldn't do two things. If you're gonna model in using BIM, you should have a, your brick model as a, as a byproduct. And I think that same philosophy applies or could apply or should apply for, for when you're uh, designing your BMS and when you're designing your access control system, your occupancy system is the same. Like uh, you should be literally same way as you draw the single line diagram of your HVAC system. At that stage, you should be drawing the model as well.
0: I've got two hands up actually. So um, I'm gonna go to uh, Tristan first.
1: I guess I just wanted to pick up where Daniel started there with with a very good point about if you start modeling from BIM and then you end up with a data structure from that. Uh, I think there's a really important point there about the functionality of, uh, of the equipment that you're modeling. And if you start at function first, rather than attribute first, I think it puts you in a really good position to have something which is uh, accurate and fit for purpose. Like if you just sort of take the data, throw tags at it and get to the end and hand that over, it's not really a deliverable. It's maybe a tool for future purposes, but it it sort of doesn't really focus that much on the function of the equipment you're modeling. Um, And I think uh, like Google DBO, as an example, with uh, functional types is something which says... This is an air handler and it has all of these functions. And each of these functions has a minimum number of points that has to contribute to that being something that we can accurately model in telemetry. Uh, and I think that that is something that is potentially a very strong thing for modeling of future buildings.
0: Thanks, Tristan. And Nicholas, you wanted to add
2: something as well. Y- yes, and I, I really probably wanted to go a long way up and. Just say my experience over the last 25 years is property owners and managers effectively want four outcomes, <laughs> happy tenants, lower OPEX and CAPEX, lower energy and water consumption and less risk, and by risk I'm talking operational risk, things blowing up unexpectedly, as well as cyber risk, which is maybe the last five, six years, right? They're, so they're the four outcomes. Now, if you think about where our industry is going, this is what I see because that we know that's what the owners and facility managers want those four outcomes I see a world where we have look um, you know, I tend to use the word data lake but I realize my, my my people in the office tell me don't use that phrase because it's not really a data lake it's it's a data warehouse a data factory so to speak but customers have a data repository service providers have data repositories customers don't want to be tied to a service provider because we are you know we control the data so what the world I see is If you get appointed to be a service provider, ideally what you want is to grab your data hose from your data repository or data lake, plug it into the customer's data repository. There's a universal translator that allows for this, you know, the the two ontologies to somehow communicate because there there is structured ontologies on both sides, which means the service provider can start providing a better quality of service at a lower cost because they're no longer doing dumb labor-intensive maintenance and repairs. So what I'm saying is that's, that's the world I see us going to. You, know, you appoint a service provider, he plugs in his data hose, you're getting that communication, we're refreshing the customer's data repository constantly at zero marginal cost. And then if we are no longer the right service provider for the customer and someone better comes along, they just disconnect us and they plug in the new person And then all of a sudden, the data flow continues, and the customer is now not beholden to any service provider unless they're a good service provider. So, I think in terms of vision, Sylvia, I'm pretty convinced that's where the customers, the property owners are going. The key for us, I guess, as technologists is how do we facilitate that way of working, which goes back, Mark, to this whole podcast that we're having at the moment. And I just wanted to put that in there and contextualize it, I think, because for me, that's very clear. And the property owners that I speak to, they tend to agree with that perspective. But it's important for everyone to know that's where we're going as an industry. We have to go down that path, otherwise we become irrelevant.
4: Well, just to add something, and sorry, I didn't have my hands, riser, but um, just to add something, it, it, that is definitely a plug-and-play approach, like, and it works for so many technology that we are using. Like, uh, we don't care that, you know, that we are plugging uh, a mouse in our laptop because the laptop recognize immediately that is a mouse and how it works. And that's that's where it, how the building should work um, in the same way that we are putting something and that there is an automation on the background that is doing the hard work that we are not seeing. And so it should be the same things for everything. Like the FM team should not see all the artwork behind. They just get it. The, like the, the outcome of this, that it's, there is a mouse that is working and I can point and, and go through folder and stuff. So yeah, to, it was just to adding it to what Nicholas was saying.
0: Where are we going with all of this? You know, um, is there a future where the ontology is adopted and, and modelled bottom to, to top? And, and I guess more broadly, my question is, yeah, well, so what's the end game here? Um, you know, and The other part of that is how far away or how close are we to that? Uh, Tristan?
1: Yeah, I think that's really where the industry needs to go. Uh, It's a big issue within operational technology. It's an even bigger issue within the IoT world where we're we're sort of uh, applying this metadata layer quite a long way from the data itself. Uh, And I know that Daniel mentioned before the the really strong distinction that when we talk about ontology, we're not actually talking about the data itself. We're actually um, fairly substantially removed from the data. Um, But, yeah, I I think um, this requires massive buy-in from OEMs in all likelihood uh, to get to a point where devices communicate their attributes uh, as well as their values. Uh, I guess... There are controllers out there which probably have the capacity to do that technically. Now it's just that we're not really uh, in a position to, um, to to deliver that. I don't think the market's really demanding. It. I don't think OEMs are really in a position to say, "Hey, this is this is um, what I have, and these are all the attributes uh, that go along with that." And I'm going to communicate that as well as part of my um, my payload. Um, so yeah, definitely bottom to top would be amazing uh in terms of a, a, a solution that gets us away from bogging down into uh i guess this group of stakeholders here um talking so much about ontologies
0: nicholas you did speak about it just now but yeah so i mean um it, what, what's the sort of the end point and and how close or how far away are we from it
2: I think how how close to how far away, I think two to 10 years. I think over the next two to 10 years, we're going to be seeing continual evolution of the respective ontologies to cover more and more areas. I think what you might find is eventually, you know, they'll all cover all the areas. Now, I know that's a very ambitious thing, what I just said, but I'm saying they'll all if you look at how Haystack has developed over time and brick, they're all expanding you know the depth and the OT technology is covered. So if you think about that, eventually they'll all cover everything, um, which then means that they all become the same. Well, in the process of that evolution, there's one ontology rule of all others. That's we, we'll see how that evolves. However, at the moment, right here and now, we need we do need automatic data you know ontology translation because those data pipes connecting the two data repositories are certainly going to be demanded because it's going to drive down costs and improve. Profits and make tenants happier and more productive. So Sylvia doesn't have to leave a building because of a fire alarm that was a nuisance call. You know, um, so I guess my point is that's what that's that's where I see. And the next 10 years are incredibly they're going to be evolutionary, but I think also very exciting because you know imagine having a plug and play building, Sylvia, and you know service providers are only servicing that building based on their merits, not because they've got some sort of you know a proprietary technology or knowledge, because that's not right. That's not what you
0: know, so that's that's my answer. Thanks, Nicholas. Sylvia, do, is, do you see those sort of plug and play buildings coming online in the next uh, two to 10 years?
4: That's the only way to go. Um, I feel that the aim goal is autonomous building, like uh, um, not even just plug and play, but building that they are actually providing uh, the, their own comfort, like they are changing uh, based on the, the condition, external condition, and the, like, you don't really need to do anything. Uh, you're just uh, like, it's just a, a learning process that the, the, in the background, but also I see this as like with a broader vision, not just only for one building or a portfolio, but for an entire city, how cool would we be as a tenant? If you can already see how that floor, or even like a tenant of a house, how much it's going to consume, like, what is the renting of that house? Like, a, uh, like, what is the efficiency of the house or the efficiency of what do you, got in the house or even in the floor or whatever so uh, it's more like to provide all this data and make it clear to the next person that is going to rent that place um, so I, and also it's it will be good for the energy provision because imagine if you uh, can see the demand of a building uh, uh, from electricity point of view or whatever like you can see uh, depending on the uh, forecast condition how it's gonna change and how many how much electricity you will need to have on the grid and stuff like that. So I see a bright future for the city, uh, but obviously uh, it, it the next ten years, as Nicol says, are very exciting but also very challenging. Because uh, even for myself, I'm an engineer and I need to learn so many like uh, new stuff in my journey that I was not experienced before. Like my mom is an engineer too and she didn't have to learn all these things. Obviously. Everyone is still, but, but the digital world is a completely different world and it's so evolving continuously that you need to continuously check on what is going on in the market and uh, what is the next things and uh, how even the ontology are going because uh, uh, I work for Google quite a lot and I left uh, uh, in the one, I finished one project the last three or four months and they again, the, the DBO already changed. They add the new stuff. And so it's, it's, it's a learning curve. It's incredible how, you still like you still need to learn continuously new things
0: yeah that's interesting so you're talking not just about what's gonna happen in the buildings what's gonna to happen to the people who are working on the buildings or what's happening well yeah new
4: category yeah. an FM team will be completely different you know like and also the people that the real estate company uh, need to hire will be different because they will be much more specialized also on data analy- an analysis you know not just only anymore like engineer you you will need a programmer and the you will need people that works on the background, so it's a completely new world. But this is not just for us. This is not just for the real estate um, um, industry. It's for every industry. This will affect everything.
0: Fantastic, thanks, Sylvia and Dan. I mean, maybe you can finish this off with your your vision of uh, ontologies for the future. Where are we heading?
3: Yeah, I think um, I, I think I cannot add too much to the the future state, but rather. Uh, suggesting a mind shift to to owners and operators to stop thinking about the the tangible use cases the way they've been doing it. Uh, when they say, oh, what is the use case? And, and people think, oh, well, uh, we've improved the chiller efficiency. Like, those use cases have been tackled over and over. Like, Nicolas and team, they have been uh, uh, making buildings perform more efficient efficiently with and without ontologies, right? I think the, the real use case is, yes, we took this building from five to six neighbor stars but having an ontology allowed us to trial and test multiple chiller optimization platforms. It allowed us to inter- uh, reduce the integration costs. Like that is the use case that we need to make the owners and operators understand. Uh, and and maybe I can, I can wrap up with another analogy. If you guys know um, uh, IMDB, the Internet Movie Database, uh, that's a website and anyone can do a website that has a database of movies, actors, et cetera. But if you build it with the right foundations, like IMDB did, they can now provide services when the actors can actually update their entries and when other services can plug into the database because they've developed a website with an ontology uh, rather than a website designer that just built a raw website with no underlying foundation, right? And I, I think that's what the owner side or operator side needs to understand, that this is the foundation, uh, so you cannot be very uh, uh, demanding on your ROI, for example, and, and I, I think that's the way I see it.
0: Thanks, Dan. Yeah, so that ROI is, yeah, it's there, but it sort of extends into to areas that we can't measure yet, is, what, is I guess what you're saying. Right. Fantastic. You cannot
4: measure future proof. That's, the, that's the, uh-huh. like what's something that people do not understand.
0: Brilliant. All right. Well, look, we've got about 10 minutes left, which I think is just about enough time to sort of wrap up and sort of say, okay, what happens next? And if anyone's got any questions or things that they wanted to raise,
2: Mark, the one thing, you know, Sylvia touched on it and so did Tristan, but it really is about this world of, of OT and how it's merging into IT, and you need all these different skills. I can sort of just share a practical example for us. We had to create, and I don't know if you've all read this book that it's called Loon Shots, and it talks about creatives and soldiers and how. Soldiers need a very hierarchical structure. Think of tradespeople working in buildings, but creatives, technologists, they need a more loose structure. And it talked about you need to almost – they have different needs, managerial needs, so you need to separate them, but you need them to work together. So – and the way we try to do that is, you know, we just simply created a separate entity and we put all our technologists together, but these technologists come from seven different areas, you know, IT, big data – OT, BMS expertise, um, you know, code cutters, you know, soft devs, people, and it's about them working together because you're not going to get one engineer, to Sylvia's point, that's just across all of this, you know. Now, you need chief technology officers, for example, that are incredibly diverse in their capability to weave that team together, and then they need to have the emotional intelligence to link with the soldiers. So the tradesmen, for example, that are consuming The actionable insights that the technology is developing and extracting data from them and then using it back by machine learning to get the algorithms to work better. But I'm just simply saying that collaboration is critical. Bringing these different functional areas together and getting the people that are traditionally operated in functional silos is a real challenge. But we need to do it because everyone needs to. It's almost like we all should acknowledge that we know nothing and we should be humble enough to go into group discussions with other experts where we all know nothing about each other's worlds, but then how do we work together to get the outcomes? Because that's all people are interested in outcomes. And if we deliver the outcomes, we're going to get adoption, right? I mean, if if a property owner knows he's going to save money and the the tenants are going to be happier, right, he'll adopt. (laughs) They will adopt. So it's up to us to collaborate, which means we've got to stop thinking we know everything. We know nothing, you know? And by being humble like that and working together, then we can really... You know, you know, shape the future, so to speak, you know, because, um, you you know, we've got to predict the future, we've got to shape it. But I'm just saying it's it's about collaboration. And, um, you know, I, I just can't stress that enough. And we need to stop thinking that we know everything because we don't. And we've got to work together. And sorry about getting so motherhood statement, but I, I just really believe in that. You know?
4: Yeah, I totally agree. Like as an engineer, I have to know about comms I have to know about uh, like data, how a computer works, our network works, how the BMS work, how the lighting control works. I'm like, uh, how many things I had to like mechanical, uh, like every discipline like fire, because we are integrating everything. I'm like, uh, it becomes uh, uh, like it, that you have to know everything about uh, like a little bit about everything, but in the same times, I feel that I don't know, not like really, as you say, I don't know nothing. So every, even today, when like I realized that I was participating to a postcard about ontology, I was like, I'm not sure that I'm the correct person because I don't feel that I know enough about ontology. And then I was talking with my boss, and I was like, You know enough. Like people doesn't know anything. You know enough to like be part. Of course, you are not a technical person because uh, you don't work with the ontology every day. But you have like read all the specifications and stuff, so you know what they are talking about. But it's it's true. It's it's becoming uh, so much. That it's uh, it's weird, and the company are expecting that you know all these things because clients are asking you for everything. Like they're like contact you as you are like a you know like a door of (laughs) truth. Oh my God, it's not like that.
0: (laughs) Thanks once again to our panelists from Era's Big Data STG: Tristan Weber, Nicholas Lianos, Sylvia Qualia, and Daniel Paragas. And thank you for listening to Era on Air. We invite you to check out our other episodes about different aspects of an invisible industry that makes our modern life possible. Heating, ventilation, air conditioning and refrigeration. H back and R.